I have in my hand just a passage of scripture. I have no notes. I'm just going to have a conversation with you. That all right? And I've got 15 minutes to get in and out of this thing, or they're turning the microphones off. They've told me. <laughs> One of the most peculiar gifts I've ever received was a bullet. Spent, fired. It's peculiar and special to me because where it come from, come from a gun fired in World War I. It came from a stretch of land uh, called Flanders Fields that's in between Belgium and France. It was a pretty hotly contested area in World War I, the first mechanized war. More than a million soldiers fought on that stretch of land. Many of them lost their lives. Many others were maimed permanently. But it's also special to me because it was there in Flanders Fields that the Christmas miracle of 1914 occurred. There are multiple letters written from soldiers who were there in the battle, home to their wives, that will validate everything I'm about to say. It started, they say, when the British started to hear the Germans in the trenches across the field sing Christmas carols. First one they sang was, O come all ye faithful, from there within they went into first Noel, and then what we just finished singing, while shepherds watched their flocks by night. Before long, the British started singing the carols back to them, and when the Germans heard it, they started saying things from their trenches. It wasn't long, and one of them held up a sign that said, Merry Christmas, and another one shouted, if you've got a spare bottle, we've got extra cigars. Let's meet in the middle. Nobody moved. Was it a trap? Were they taunting them? But in a couple of minutes, heads begin to poke up on either side of that battlefield. They looked out into the center of this plot of land that was barbed wire they called no man's land. And first one, and then another, and then another, and before long, the soldiers from both trenches started to come out and walk towards the middle. And when they got in the middle, they shook hands and they agreed to a ceasefire on Christmas Day. As 108 years ago today, there was a ceasefire in a hotly contested battlefield between Belgium and France. They exchanged greetings, they exchanged wine for cigarettes, they played soccer, they celebrated the Mass. There was a priest nearby. They even had time for photographs, all of them together. One of the soldiers wrote home and said, suddenly there they were, the actual German soldiers, and there was not an atom of hate on either side. Another soldier wrote back and said, it was incredible. We found ourselves laughing and chatting with people we were trying to kill just a few hours ago. It was called the Christmas Truce of 1914. You can Google it, not now. 
Not everyone was pleased. The higher-ups, when they heard of it, called it an illustration of how pathetic the morale of our soldiers has become. Another one, a 25-year-old named Adolf Hitler was in that field. And he said to his men, where is your German honor? Higher-ups came down and they repositioned soldiers because they wouldn't go back to fight. They moved them to other battlefronts where they could fight strangers again instead of the friends that they had just made. Why that bullet's important to me? Because it symbolizes the hope that someday there will be a table like a mass where people entrenched on opposite sides of a hot battle will meet in the middle and share the bread and the wine. I can't get that picture out of my head, church, on Christmas because we have come through three of the hardest years in a long time. It has been full of chaos and controversy. We see the nation divided. We see families divided. We see churches divided. But in the back of my mind, there is a picture of a table where people on both sides have found his humanity and theirs again. I still believe that there are convictions that are so primal and pervasive, they affect people from every side of an issue. There are beliefs that are so deeply ingrained in us and so instinctive to us that we are willing to abandon a war we once believed in. But we humans, we call for peace. We sing for peace. We strive. We fight for peace. And yet we have an immunity to it built right in us. It's what allows us to say, I want peace and still practice things that make peace impossible. We have convictions. We have ways. We have angles on things that we cannot put down. So on the one hand, we want it. On the other, these things are like antibodies in us that fight the very peace we call for. So I was uh, reflecting over my last two or three years because like some of you, I've been through periods of profound loss. There's been periods of chaos, lots of confusion, a fair amount of criticism, not from any of you, but from other people. Um, there's... There's been hurt, and there's been disappointment, and all of it just build up in you. And like you, I've come to the office in the morning, and I've prayed that God would give me peace of mind, 
And like you, I have immunities to it built right up inside me. And one day, I'm reading through the sermons of Isaiah for Advent. And it hits me that what I was seeking is not even the peace of Christ. It is my own. From Isaiah chapter 26. Can I read this to you? I got about seven minutes left. Can I read this? It's in big font so I can see it without glasses. Listen, listen to the prophet in the middle of a sermon. Our city is strong. We are surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Open the gates to all who are righteous. Allow the faithful to enter. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in Yahweh. For Yahweh, Yahweh is the eternal rock. He humbles the proud, brings down the arrogant, and scatters them like dust. But for those who are righteous, the way is not steep. You smooth out the path ahead of us, Yahweh. We show you our trust by obeying your laws. Our heart's desire is to glorify in your name. All night long, we long for you. We wait for you. In the morning, we earnestly seek you. The word of the Lord began to come into focus. The peace of Christ is not like the peace of Rome. The peace of Rome thrives through power, intimidation, laws, structure, order, fear of reprisal, compromise. But the peace of Christ is always something else. It comes out of nowhere and it takes us over almost involuntarily. Here's what I noticed. The peace of Christ comes in the midst of a struggle, not after it. The people who are resting in Isaiah are resting in times of crisis. The power of this passage is that it's the middle of the sermon. The first half of the sermon, he was ranting about how bad the world is. He said, the Lord is laying the earth to waste. The people of the earth have defiled the earth. Then he says their streets are on fire and their cities lie in ruins. Word of the Lord. Then halfway through the sermon, he pivots and he says, but our cities are strong. Our walls are the walls of salvation that God has built. Do you see this? They're both happening at the same time. While there is chaos and confusion and turmoil in the world, there is this colony of people whose hearts are at peace. It happens in the battle, not after it. And because that's true, the peace of Christ is never contingent upon external conditions. 
it's always contingent upon internal postures of the heart. Yes, you keep them in peace whose mind is stayed on you and they are fixed on you. There is still chaos and there is still hurt, but their minds are fixed on you. It's not what's happening to us. It's what's happening in us. The peace of Christ is centrifugal. It starts on the inside and it works its way out. We export it into our relationships only after we find it ourselves. Well, I guess we export whatever is in our spirits for better or worse. Whatever's in you is coming out. <laughs> Third, the peace of Christ never comes by imposing my will or my expectations on something or somebody else. The peace of Christ comes by a firm resolve of me and you to walk in the way of the righteous. The way we get there is where we arrive. The journey determines the destination. If we get there through manipulation and power, we will only meet the other person's convictions, manipulation, and power. But if we get there in the way and in the heart of Jesus Christ, then we will meet love and humility and generosity even in the conflict. And last, the peace of Christ comes slow. At the speed of trust. It's never fast. If you can't wait for it, you can't have it. You want the wrong thing because you want the whole thing right now. You have to wait. And like a baby in a manger, it'll rise at its own speed. Now this morning, I represent, I think, on this stool, a number of people in this congregation, some of you right now, whose own lives are full of disruption, hurt. Profound loss. Every one of you have at one time been subject to the chaos and the confusion and the orders from someone that you didn't agree with. You've been forced by the powers that be to do things that you didn't want to do. And there was a restlessness, wasn't there? And what I hope you hear in the song of the angel this morning, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace of another kind. I hope what you hear is a call to step into the peace of Jesus Christ and not your own. And I hope you hear a call 
to bring that peace into the families where you'll go in a moment and into the places where you'll work.